<laughs> Welcome to the Garbage Fire Podcast, aka MFKS Radio on the airwaves dial at 487.52. Your pod is hosted by Kelsey and Megan, who are craving beef stew. The Garbage Fire Pod is all about being unironically passionate to the point that you would dive into the dumpster for the things that you love. Do you want to guess how many staples are on my keyboard right now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 27. <laughs> An approximate guess. Yes. Fuck. Sorry. Why Why are there so many staples on your keyboard? I'm very confused. Well, that was the stapler noise that I did to <laughs> begin the oh, podcast. That was my prop that I used. Oh, okay. And the funny thing is that time, I pointed it at my camera, so... <laughs> You're just having a banner day, huh? Fuck me. Well, it's 8 o'clock in the evening, which means it's another late night podcast for us. I know. Which means these all ones, fucking hell's gonna break These close. ones never go good. These no. ones never go good, Megan. God. Um, okay. So we're gonna do some spoilery things right off the hop, because I finally read, finished reading this book that Kelsey told me to read. Uh, so yeah, spoilers are gonna start right now. Excellent. And they'll end when we're done talking about this book. <laughs> I don't know when. Kelsey will <laughs> no something again and then we'll know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, I read The Silent Patient by yes. Alex Michalides. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Which I had bought a long time ago and I was like, yeah, I'll get around to it, I'll get around to it. But I'm like, I have a to-be-read pile that's like 1,900 books deep. So, mm-hmm. I got around to it eventually. And I started reading it and then I stopped for reasons that I don't really understand. Uh, because then on Sunday night, um, after I watched the football game, which did not end the way I needed it to, oh, no. and then watched a movie starring Adam Driver, of course. which we'll talk about in a minute. It was really good. It was just, we'll talk about that one after. Uh, at like midnight, I was like, oh, I'm going to read for a little while. And then I didn't put the book down until I finished at three o'clock. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. On a Sunday night, when I had to be at work before nine o'clock. Sounds exactly correct. And at approximately 2.45-ish, when I hit the big reveal, because it's a thriller of sorts, I said out loud, what the fucking fuck? (laughs) Oh god, yeah, it's like, where to even begin with this? So the brief synopsis maybe would be the, the place to start? Okay, sure. Do you want to? You've read it recently, so do you want to take a stab at it? Sure. So the story is about this uh, woman named Alicia mm-hmm. who kills her husband, and um, she shoots him. I can't remember how many times, and then she goes silent, like she stops talking completely. I think she tried to kill herself too, didn't she? I think so. I think yeah. so too. And then she's an artist, and so one of the things that she did, like, in the immediate aftermath of the murder was, like, this painting Mm -hmm. um, that has uh, a tie to mythology and and whatnot. Uh, And so the whole book is told from the perspective uh, of her psychotherapist, whose name is Theo. Which should have been a red flag, first of all. (laughs) um, (laughs) Probably. Um, Which he is essentially trying to, like, unlock what happened to her. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and get her to talk, and, and over the course of, of the book, he figures out that, like, getting her to paint again is probably a way to, you know, for that, to build that connection and and help maybe bridge some of those memories that she's clearly repressed and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, because, like, regardless of her guilt, like, her her mental state is not 
positive to anything. It's not positive to her moving forward or processing or like even determining guilt in this case is just like it's just stasis like nothing is happening with her whatsoever which is yeah. fucked up because like don't they keep her super super drugged well yeah there's she's she's quite sedated yeah uh, not like not sedated so that she's like comatose or anything but she's like she's definitely on very high doses of something to just keep her to keep her real real low key so that she's like because there she has violent outbursts right but i thought when he um the other doctors talks to her the first time she like can't even like process what he's saying it's almost like she's like a step forward from catatonic and then doesn't really like campaign to get her off some of yeah, them? I, I don't know if it's off entirely, but definitely yeah. lower dose to yeah, like okay. you know give her a little bit more, um, yeah, maybe get a little bit more response from her and that and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, so Thea, like he, she's in this facility where it's called the Grove, and so she's in this facility where they've got there's art therapy and there's you know like obviously doctors on staff and and other medical staff and and whatnot and the the found the place that they're at is like run by some kind of foundation or some grant money or whatever Mm -hmm. that's like in danger of being cut yeah and it seems like a legit place overall yeah like it it seems pretty and it seems like the the guy in charge uh i think is dr diomedes is his name he seems pretty like competent and and whatever and and everyone's sort of at the point with alicia that like she's not she's not salvageable anymore because she's given them nothing over all of this time. And like, she won't do the art therapy because she's like, she's gotten violent and like broken paintbrushes and and that kind of stuff. Yeah. She's Um, just so closed off and repressed. And so Theo spends this time, um, trying to unlock what's been repressed in Alicia's memory. And at the, the sort of side plot with him is that, uh, his wife is cheating on him. Mm hmm. Which he, like, accidentally discovered. Yeah. Ultimately. Before the, like, big reveal, I assumed that's that that's why he was so obsessed with her. Because he was, like, going through his own um, yes. trauma and, like, saw essentially just, like, a blank slate to, like, project all these things upon. And I thought he was, like, just legitimately obsessed with her and was going to molest her, essentially. Yeah, the that whole was book, where... I was just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was getting so nervous. That is nervous. absolutely <laughs> what I thought was going to happen. Okay. Because it just, because he was very much, yes, he was very obsessed mm-hmm. with her. Like, he, he applied for this job, it, it like, specifically Because to she was there. Be, you know, and then, and then she, like, went and talked to, like, her, uh, her brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, like, her cousin and all of the, you know, as, as many people as, she, as he as he could find who were connected to her mm-hmm. to try and piece together what happened and sort of figure out what it was that set her off. Which um, felt like, it felt like it was crossing a line. Isn't that bizarre? Like, if that was a cop, I would be like, okay, you're doing your job. But as, yes. like, I don't know if he's a psychiatrist. I assume so, I guess. Cause I think so. I think he, oh, psychotherapist. Yeah, he yeah. must be because he's... He does prescribe, but um, it just felt like it went beyond a normal scope of practice. 
to be like, I'm going to go talk to all mm-hmm. your relatives. And it would be one thing if, like, it would be one thing if, you know, there had been some sort of, like, drastic shift maybe in her condition, mm-hmm. you know, and he was, like, trying to figure out, like, where she had been at before, like, from not from, like, the medical perspective, but from, like, their perspective. That's a very different conversation than, like, him sleuthing around and trying to figure out yeah, what's going on with her. Um, but she was a very good artist, I think, is the, is, like, the takeaway. Yeah. Um, and she had some considerable skill, and so one of her, her friend, uh, who was also very much obsessed with her, but, like, in very different ways, um, was sort of the caretaker of all of her art Mm -hmm. since she had been committed. Um, and so, like, he goes and finds this guy and, like, talks to him about, you know, what's, um, you know, what she was like before and what kind of state she was in before the murder happened and, and all this kind of stuff. And so it, it feels like, yeah, it felt a little bit crossing the line, but like also like he's doing, like trying to figure out, piece this all together, right? He's got this new patient and, you know, trying to figure out how this all works. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he finds out that his wife's cheating on him, mm-hmm. which I think is a good place to start maybe. Sure. Cause he does the same thing with trying to find out about his wife as he does with her. Yeah. Right? He like, he, I, he, he goes, her laptop like is still logged in. And so he like opens it up. Mm-hmm. Which is just like, whatever. Ugh. Just don't I mean, touch other people's shit. Well, there's that. But like, I mean, as someone who like lives by myself, like I don't, I would never think about that. Right. Cause I just, I don't care. Cause mm-hmm. I live by myself. Right. And so, you know, anyway, so he finds this like set of the series of emails between her and uh, whoever this dude is that she's seeing and his like username is like bad boy 22 with an I. It's like so stupid. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so he decides to like follow her essentially and figure out like what's going on and who is this person. And then there's other situations that happen where she's like, Oh, I'm going to, she's an actress and well, she's going to be late coming home from rehearsal cause she's meeting a friend and he doesn't believe that she's actually meeting a friend. And he goes and like, Follow, goes to where her rehearsal is and waits for her to come out. She doesn't see him, of course, and, like, he follows her, and then she is, in fact, meeting a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then he starts to think he's a little bit paranoid that, like, maybe, you know, is it's over, it's not a big deal. Doesn't really know, like, what to do. Doesn't mm-hmm. ever confront her about it. Um, and then, while well, this is happening simultaneously with, like, all of his stuff with Alicia. Um, and if I recall, Alicia's background's super fucked up, isn't it? Doesn't her mom... Yes commit suicide like her mom was in a car accident right and she was in the car oh, God. and her dad i guess when all was said and done after the accident basically said like it should have been alicia who died instead of her mom fuck dude and she overheard him say that so like she's super fucked up and so like I, there's an implication there not so much of like daddy issues but like needing that kind of validation and support from anyone <laughs> literally anyone right so like her it felt like her you know her marriage is sort of described as um supportive with like an asterisk kind Mm -hmm. of supportive like slash controlling but also supportive but kind of controlling um and then her friendship with fuck i can't remember his name now i'll have to look it up like with her buddy who has like her who's the caretaker of her art and like works in the gallery or whatever is it is also maybe it might that be Paul. I'm just I don't like, have my book anymore. I loaned it to someone at work. I'm just like um, scrolling through, looking for names in a summary here. I'll tell you. Um, and uh, and so he's, you know, he's very controlling. Uh, yeah. Supportive, yes, but controlling. And, and Theo discovers over the course of his 
investigation or whatever that um oh jean felix right right Right. so he yeah and that he's like very he's obsessed with the art more than he is with the artist yeah it seems like for the people in alicia's life they're they're all invested in her for like the wrong reasons or like not they're not truly invested in her like it doesn't seem like a lot of people actually care for her like doesn't um her husband's brother assault her too yeah like he says that he like there's the implication that he has feelings for her but yeah he like he assaults her Mm -hmm. um and because he's jealous of his brother right if i recall yeah yes he's jealous yeah he's jealous that he can't have her ultimately Mm mm-hmm um, and she's, you know, not really, she's not into that attention from him at all. Like, she's very committed to her husband and whatnot. Um, and so, yeah, like, everything in her background is, like, is pretty super fucked up. Her life is It's is so very... rough. And, and the art that she does is, like, very hyper-realistic stuff. Like, it's photorealist. Mm-hmm. And so she's into, obviously, presenting the world, like, as it is with, like, some differences, right? Uh, so she like ties it, in, but everything, everything that she that she paints is very, very realistic, mm-hmm. uh, and it's very clear what it is she's trying to to get across. Um, and so there's all of these like interesting things, and there's a conflict with like one of the other patients at the facility, uh, this like Turkish woman, whose name is I think Elif, and there's they get into like a fight and I, and Alicia ends up like poking this woman's eye out with the with like the sharp end of a paintbrush ultimately yeah um rough stuff a, <laughs> yeah like super rough uh and so then she has to be sedated more heavily and all this kind of stuff in order to you know protect herself and, and protect other people um so there's all of, it's a very intricate story but it was so tightly written like I did not think that there was an extraneous word in the text I know and I think that's because we have well, at times I thought that Theo was, like, fucking bonkers, though. And I was like, who... Like, it felt like some of his narration was just, like, self-justification. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a lot of self-talk. But... It, that's the tricky thing about this book is, like, it stuffs you so much with details that, like, truly don't matter when you get to the end. Like, oh, like, not even a little bit. The relationship with the gallery doesn't matter. Really, the relationship no. with the cousin and the brother don't fucking matter. Like, absolutely nothing matters. No. Uh, Theo's relationship with his wife is, like, almost irrelevant. Yeah, pretty much. I, I would say the fact that she was had an affair was irrelevant, but it's not. No. <laughs> it's like, so... That's what we call um, the inciting incident. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding, hey. So it was it was really, really well written, and I was like, I couldn't figure it out. Usually when I read, like, thrillers, I like to guess, like, what's the thing. Yeah. Right? Or, like, when I read, like, a, even, like, when I read, like, a Jack Reacher book, mm-hmm. right? I want to know, like, who's the actual bad guy, or, like, what's the situation, that, like, what's the, the, the climax situation in this? Or when I'm reading, like, a, a Grisham book, like, I want to know what's the thing. Mm-hmm. And I could not figure this one out. No. There were, like, I had no idea. And then when it got there, I was just like, holy fuck. Which is interesting because it presents, like, because it's really narrated through Theo's point of view, it presents a whole bunch of different suspicious characters. Mm-hmm. 
which of course the reveal indicates are irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, they're we just, just red get to it. We should just get to it. <laughs> so what ultimately has happened in this book is that the way that it's written, you feel like Theo as Alicia's psychotherapist is at the same time having, you know, figuring out that his wife is sleeping with someone else. And essentially stalking her and her lover. You think yes, that he, like, is, like, you know, going to the hospital and treating Alicia during the day and then going home and fucking following his wife at night. And that is not the case. <laughs> no, because what's actually happening is he's following his wife and her lover and he ends up following the lover back to his his house after Kathy, his wife, and the lover have parted for one of their from one of their trysts and uh it's the first when he the guy goes into his house and then like sits down and has dinner ultimately with his own wife Mm -hmm. and then the the text is like and that is the first time i laid eyes on alicia and i was like what (laughs) the fuck i know i couldn't believe it (laughs) couldn't believe it (laughs) holy shit doesn't this... I was trying to think what this reminds me of. Oh, it kind of reminds me of Girl on the Train a teensy bit. A little bit, yeah. Because it that book's a little bit different because the narrator legitimately can't remember. Or mm-hmm. doesn't remember. But in this one, he withholds everything. Like, literally, yeah. And he, and he sends us on this, like, wild goose chase. Mm-hmm. To figure out what has happened. And then what we learn is that... Theo, because Kathy is having an affair, it turns out that Kathy is sleeping with Alicia's husband. Yep. And so in part of the narration is interspersed. We get Theo's story, but we also get Alicia's diary. Mm -hmm. And she keeps talking about this man standing outside. Uh, And she thinks he's there and then he's gone and he vanishes, you know, in behind the shed and all this kind of stuff. And then once kind of the fucking reveal happens, you realize that Theo is actually the man standing outside Alicia's house watching her. Yeah. And if I recall correctly, doesn't her husband not believe her about how she thinks she has a stalker? Yes. Okay. He's, he's, he tells her like, he's, he, it's not that I don't, it's not even so much that he doesn't believe her, that there, it's just that he's thinking that she needs to, you know, look after herself better, like her mental state. Right, because she's um, had she's, breakdowns before, and yes, and that she's kind of projecting, right, ultimately. right, right, right. Um, and so, yeah, so what we find out is that Theo is in fact the stalker, mm-hmm. and because Theo is the stalker, uh, you then very quickly learn that Theo is the one who killed Alicia's husband, mm-hmm. uh, and then like tortured her. Essentially, yeah. Doesn't he? Um, God, I should have read this before we talked. But doesn't, if I recall, doesn't he force one of them to choose who lives? Mm-hmm. How does that pan out? He ends up forcing Alicia. Okay. Um, to essentially make a choice. Um, but she doesn't want to say anything because she's she's convinced that they're both going to die. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't really make the choice. Mm-hmm. And then he shoots... Gabriel, like, I think six times, five times. Right. And, yeah. 
And then, like, so he, then what we find out is he took the job at this place so he could stay close to her. Mm-hmm. To essentially stop the story from ever coming out. Do you think that he was trying to actually help her? Like, do you think, do you think that Theo feels guilt? Like, I think he, uh, I mean, guilt about what happened to Alicia. Like, I think he for sure wanted to kill Alicia's husband. He wanted that dude to suffer. He wanted Kathy to suffer suffer his Mm -hmm. own life for sure. But do you think that he actually wanted Alicia? No. No? No, I don't think so. So is that why he's there? Because he's like, this isn't right? I think that's part of it. I think, I think he, yeah, tries to make it right as best he can, but, like, in doing so... He's gonna out like, himself. Like, that's... Yeah. God, the hubris so he, of man. <laughs> so what ends up happening, like, while Alicia's in the facility, um, she brings her diary to one of their, like, therapy sessions. She doesn't say anything, but she brings the diary. Mm-hmm. And he reads it, all of her stuff, and it's from, like, before... It's, like, from before she was committed. Yeah. And then she's obviously done some writing since then. Um, and so it's very clear that she recognizes him. Uh-huh. Right? Like, she obviously must, because well, otherwise, why why would she be giving him this information, right? Um, and so she she gives him the diary, and he reads and stuff, and then the diary, like, goes missing. And he doesn't know where it is, except then Alicia, like, took it back, ultimately, and it ended up, and she, it ended up being hidden, like, behind in the corner of one of the paintings that she had done while she was in the, in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And then a police officer shows up at Theo's house, like, right at the end. With uh, it, right? With the diary. Right. And it kind of leaves you hanging. Like, there's no, there's no resolution to that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was, I, I, like, I still can't quite believe that it was so tightly written that I couldn't, like, there was no, to me, there was no hint whatsoever. No. And really brutal that, like, Again, in this high-stress situation of, like, a man keeping her hostage. And, like, doesn't he inject her with morphine, too, and try to kill he her? He does. Well, he, he doesn't try, I don't think he tries to kill her. I think he tries to just, like, basically put her yeah. into a coma. Because, ultimately, what ends up happening, he knows now. Uh, that she, she knows. She, she starts talking and, tell, and telling him the story as if he's, like, her therapist and not, you know, the person who killed her husband. Mm-hmm. And she, like, intentionally got a couple of the details wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and he realizes that. And he realizes that. He realizes he's kind of sunk. So he ends up... Um, then the next day he comes to work and, like, she's... It looks like someone had tried to smother her with a pillow or whatever. And then he conveniently discovers this, like, little needle prick in her wrist. Yeah, and tries to blame somebody else. Blame the other doctor. Oh my god. Who he has, like, a vendetta against, ultimately. And it turns out, like, the other doctor had been treating Alicia kind of privately beforehand. Yeah, which is fine. Which is fine, except he didn't disclose it when she showed up at the facility. And so then he ends up, like, I don't know if he gets, I think he gets fired, ultimately. The facility ends up closing down, but, like, he gets fired before that happens. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, Theo is just this fucking, like, psychopath. Essentially, ultimately. yeah. Um, it was crazy. It was so good, and I just, I couldn't stop. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just stop. And the chapters are nice and short, so I was like, oh, I'll read, a, you know, 50 pages, and then I'll go to bed. And I was like, yeah, no, that's clearly not happening. Which is funny, because the pace is almost like Theo's, like, brain itself, right? Because he's like, 
he's almost he's almost manic to cover his tracks but also uh-huh. manic to uncover his own tracks like it's so bizarre <laughs> right and then at the end of it all like he's still with kathy oh yeah. and they move away from the city and it's like ultimately his punishment to her why are they together honestly i don't really know and i did she's sorry she you don't learn much about her just through him and he's already upset with her because she's cheating yeah um but yeah then he like they're still together at the end and they live far away from you know where they had been before Mm -hmm. to kind of you know whatever yeah I also felt that, like, Alicia's relationship with her husband seemed really cold, too. Wasn't he always just, like, pushing her, like, finish your art, finish your art, finish your art, like... Yeah, he felt, like, very indifferent in a lot of ways. Yeah. Not very compassionate to her mental state or encouraging. It was just like, why aren't you painting? Why aren't you painting? And that's why I thought, like, are he and... At the start, I thought he and the dealer were maybe in on something together because it just yeah. felt like they were so dispassionate about her but so attracted by the art itself. Mm-hmm. But in as it turned out, not at all. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it was uh it was quite a trip. Hell yeah it was. Um Yeah. I've told a lot of people about it in the last two days. I know. It's freaking I- wild. At work on Monday, uh, I was, of course, very tired. And some of the guys on the hall were like, what? why are you so tired? Like, football game? And I was like, no, guys. I stayed up until three and read. And they were like, what were you reading? I told them, like, did you finish? I was like, oh, I couldn't put it down. That's why I was up until Did three. I ever? <laughs> um, Matt, it was just, like, it was so compelling. Mm-hmm. It was so, so, so compelling. And it's really well written, too. Like, it's not just a, an interesting story. Like, it's very well crafted. Mm-hmm. Which I think is is important. I wanted to bring up this just before we move on to casting the movie because um, this device of having what you believe to be concurrent storylines mm-hmm. is also in The Witcher. That's why I need you to keep watching <coughs> through the fourth episode so that everything makes sense. Because when that happened in that show, my mind was fucking blown. Okay. But it's not a good show. But I need you to watch it. <laughs> To be fair, I was pretty distracted while I was trying to watch the first episode, so. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Okay, are we casting this fucking movie? We should. Did you see that uh, Brad Pitt's Plan B Productions has optioned it? No, I didn't, but holy shit, Brad Pitt, make this fucking movie. Fuck yeah. Oh, and and that's the thing. It's one of those that, like, there's very little that happens in the book that you'd have to cut out. Absolutely absolutely it's just like girl on the train for that purposes like yeah like i'm i'm thinking about like like thinking about even just like him following his following kathy and and whatever um i feel like you could just run that as like a montage yeah absolutely for a while like you wouldn't have to have a lot of exposition and and whatnot happening there i think that like yeah anyway it would be interesting if it was voiceover yeah during those scenes. Yeah, that would be kind of good. But anyway, anyway, yeah, I would love to see it on screen. It'd be incredible. Okay, what's your pitch here? I know you want Adam Driver in it somewhere. I do, but I want um I was just thinking about this. I wrote down four names and then I gave up. Oh. Um I thought for the the doctor who like runs the place. Yeah. 
I thought Mark Strong would be perfect. Yes, love this idea. Love this idea. I really, like, if if I see that he's in a movie, I will probably go watch it. A hundred percent. I really like him. Super good. But I feel like as that, I feel like as that doctor, I think he'd be, I think he'd be good. Mm -hmm. I also think he would be good as Gabriel. Mark Strong? Yeah. If we're kind of, like, playing with ages here, but... Yeah, well, yeah, and if you're, yeah, if we're playing with ages and making, and aging him up, then sure. Mm-hmm. Because um, he's got that kind of, that persona that would, like, work for what Gabriel is. Because mm-hmm. Mark Strong, he always seems like he's got fucking something going on. Like, you can't yes. always trust what's going on behind the eyes of Mark Strong. <laughs> right, right. And, and if we're... If, if we're not super worried about the age of the doctor, it could also be, um, like, David Strathairn could play him as well. Absolutely. Like, yes. Or, like, even Stanley Tucci. Like, somebody in that sort of yes. vein. A hundred percent. That's him, I think. These are excellent recommendations. Wow. Okay, keep blowing me away. Um, I thought that, I thought about this while I was reading it, that Oscar Isaac would be a good Theo. <laughs> That's that's what I want, Megan. That's I know what it I is. Want. But it was so funny when you said that you're gonna put Oscar Isaac in the movie, and I was like, yes, you will, and I already know where. Yes. Oh, I'm so happy you feel the same. Yeah, I think I think he'd be I think he'd be he'd be a great Theo, because he's got that kind of like weird manic energy. Mm-hmm. Like think but, like, of that stupid movie he was in. You know, the one where he plays the loser. <laughs> <laughs> The 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 loser bum with the guitar. Oh, inside Lewin Davis. I fucking hate that movie. Oh, it's not that bad. Um, But yeah, no, he's but he's got that like good manic energy, but also like you would believe. I think he has the capability to like make you believe that he's, you know, distraught by his wife cheating on him. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And or whatever. But then also like you, I could see like the flash of whatever evil behind his eyes. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I think. I can't think of someone for Alicia. That was the thing that I was having a lot of trouble with. You see, when you brought up, like, Mark Strong, what I thought would be interesting if we were playing with ages would be Laura Dern. Oh, she'd be phenomenal. I think that would be really cool. Um, The thing about Alicia and Gabriel is that they just have to be... They have to be so compelling at being non-entities. And it's like... Is this like an Anna Paquin in the Irishman? <laughs> thing? I mean, she doesn't say a lot. Like, But then I don't just want a whole white cast because that's just a major problem right now. So I'm just going to mm-hmm. fucking throw in Lupita because I love her. For Alicia? Yeah. Oh, I think she could do... I think she'd do a great job. Mm-hmm. Oh, Winston Duke. Gabriel. Yes. Oh, there we go. Done deal. I like that. I want Jesse Tyler Ferguson as the art dealer. No. Why not? No, I don't think so. Come I don't on. Think that works. No, I think no, he needs to he I no, I don't he would be fine, but I think this guy needs to have a little bit more like there has to be a little bit more of an air of mystery to him. Somehow. I don't think Jesse Tyler Ferguson has I don't think I would buy him as someone who's like hiding his intentions. Okay. If that makes sense. I think you need somebody who cuz like whenever I see him I always just think that he's just like a wide open book, right? Like he's just like 
everything's just kind of out there for you to see. And I don't know if I would buy him as someone who's got like, you know, like first of all, harboring like a secret love for <laughs> this woman. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, like it's just a secret love, right? Because I don't know that he's he'd be able to do so. And I don't know if I would buy it. Okay, let me pitch you this. Leslie okay. Odom Jr. Oh, fucking for sure. That'd be great. Okay. That, yeah, I could buy that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. perfect. Perfect, yeah, perfect, I could perfect. absolutely buy it. Who? Oh, and I guess Kathy is left. Um, I think Kathy has... See, that was another one, too, that I thought was kind of tough. Because she needs to be somebody who... Is, like, short-term memorable. Short-term memorable, but also, like, you know, self-possessed enough that, like, you know, is able to pull off this, like, long-standing lie. Rachel McAdams. Yeah. Yeah, I could work with that. Oh, I have another great suggestion for, um, the head doctor then. Okay. Bill Nighy. Oh, he'd be phenomenal. Oh, God. He would be really, really, really good. Seriously, Brad Pitt, we're fucking doing yeah. all your work for you here. Yeah, this is the easy stuff. Uh, and I feel like, uh, Yuri, like, the guy who works in the hospital as, like, the attendant who ends up, like, dealing drugs mm-hmm. <laughs> to patients, that's where I feel like Adam Driver would shine. Because he's, oh, he's got this, like, big sort of hulking, imposing presence, because he has to. Mm-hmm. But I think also has the ability to just kind of sit in the background a lot and not necessarily be front and center. And also have, like, an air of mystery. A little bit of an air of mystery, yeah, and that ability, but also that ability to kind of just, like, you know, blend in when necessary. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do it. God, all of that is so good. I need this movie made fucking yesterday. Well, that was the thing I found really interesting about reading it was like it was so descriptive and it was so well done that I could just see it all sort of happening. Mm-hmm. It was such a visual experience. But it wasn't. But it, like I said before, it what like nothing was extraneous. Mm-hmm. Everything fit the narrative so so well. And I think that comes back to tone. Like the tone of that book is it like teeters between thriller and legitimate almost like biopic you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like it's a weird almost autobiographical mix of genres plus thriller well, and the, I was thinking about the last time that I read, like, a thriller of any kind that really sort of captivated me like that, and the last one that I can really think of where I just could not put it down was False Memory by Dean Koontz. hmm It's phenomenal. It's, if I remember, I haven't read it in probably ten years. If I remember correctly, it's about this woman who, like, starts experiencing these memories or feeling like she's remembering things that she knows have never happened to her, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And it's like she's essentially been gaslighted by a psychiatrist. Oh, well, that sounds super similar to this. Yeah, it, it, it's, I mean, except that she's like, there's no, there's no, like, big trauma in her life that has led her to that. Where, you know, whereas this, like, obviously, Alicia had undergone some significant trauma. Yeah sort of like you know sort of like acute trauma whereas if i remember right i don't think in that other one that there was like that same kind of acute trauma what i'm just on the wikipedia page for it and i won't say who dies 
but someone <laughs> dies because of another person who had a fear of Keanu Reeves. <laughs> like, Amazing. That is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Well, that sounds really cool. Anyway, if you want a really good book that will, like, you know, it's really well done. And if Brad Pitt ever makes the movie... I will be there on opening day, because holy fuck, it was great. Hell yeah, he will. I'm trying to think. I'm just on Mark Strong's wiki right now. I think he was in a movie that was about a woman before I go to sleep. Wasn't that a movie about... Yeah, Nicole yes. Kidman and... um, What's his nuts? Colin Firth were in that too. And this is like a similar type of deal about someone who can't quite understand what's real and what's not real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that was that. That was that. It was, uh, it was a hell of a read. It sure was. And then when I was finished, I had to sleep with the light on because I didn't like the sounds my house was making, and I was like, maybe there's a freak standing outside. Uh, so I just fell asleep with the light on, and it was fine. I know. Isn't that, like, the concept of stalkers is just one of those things that I can't shake? after I've, like, read about it. It's yeah, a, it's very bizarre. It's a very bizarre thing to, like, feel as if you're being watched. That's, yeah. That's Although I have to, I have to say this. This is really funny. So on the back of the book, one of the reviews says this. That rarest of beasts, the perfect thriller. This extraordinary novel set my blood fizzing. I quite literally couldn't put it down. I told myself I'd just dip in. 11 hours later, it's now 5.47am. I finished it. Absolutely dazzled. And I was like, it took you 11 hours to read that book. <laughs> that was my first thought. That's very judgy. Because fuck? it took me... It took me... Like two? I No, I started... Well, no, I started on, like, page 80-ish when I started on Sunday night. And it was approximately 1.15 when I started. Yeah. So, yeah. Just under two hours. Yeah, it was about two hours for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It was not a hard read. It's short. It's, like, 300 pages... Yeah, that's rough stuff, man. <laughs> like, I don't even know how to deal with that revelation. Um, anyway, yeah. So that was the book that I read. It was great. Uh, I also read that because I'm putting off reading that behemoth that I bought, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> Seriously, you bit off way more than you can chew with that book. I just, like, true. I have it's zero true. expectations. Well, I'm going to finish it because I... I think you're going to hate it. I think you're going to hate it. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. I've read a few, a little bit of it just to kind of like get a taste of it. And I, I don't mind the style. And I can definitely see over like a long reading session that I would very much be able to like ignore what every time she says the fact that. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it's just, I think then that just becomes ultimately punctuation and you just kind of keep skimming over it. Well, yeah, you're going to have to find a way. <laughs> like, <laughs> No, but but I think there's it just repeats often enough that, like, you don't see it anymore. I see. Because it's, I the see. Same, it's the same phrase over and over again. So I think that, like, once I'm able to sit down and, like, actually get into it, I don't think it'll be that much of a problem. It's one of those books where you got to be in the mood for it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, do you want to make your staple noise so that people know the... I don't know where my microphone is. There you go. Perfect. 
Uh, okay. Well, that's that. The fucking sound waves on Audacity for that are nuts. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny when I put together uh, the episode that I posted on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot that you had used that microphone instead of, like, the other one. And I was like, why is she so loud all of a sudden? I was like, oh, right, never mind. We're fine. Did you fix that? I didn't even think to double check. Yeah, no, it was good. I, I lowered you a little bit. And I lowered you to match me, and it was all great. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. Usually I have to raise you, like, eight decibels to, like, approach where I'm at, so it's good. <laughs> That's crazy, because, like, my microphone is usually literally six inches from my mouth. Like, I don't understand. I know, and I'm sitting here on my couch, and the microphone's probably, like, three feet away from me. God. And this is how I normally record. It's very bizarre. Anyway, um, anything else you want to, anything that you're reading right now? Um, God, I'm still reading that Stephen King mythos book. It's just making me have the craziest dreams of all time, including saving Queen Elizabeth II, played by Claire Foy, from an assassination attempt. Yep. (laughs) And also dating Phil Kessel. I was like, let's not forget the second part of that dream, because that's the best part of that dream. The second part. (laughs) It was so fucking weird, Megan. I literally cannot. (laughs) <laughs> and even like what was that a week ago I told you about that it's not like that even yesterday I was just like what was up with Phil Kessel like why was he so mean to me because <laughs> like, I, I just like internalized his behavior <laughs> I was like trying to process it and go through it and I was just like no quit it that didn't happen <laughs> he wasn't actually with you oh my god it's funny. But was it like, wasn't it so perfect that he wouldn't even hold my hand? <laughs> it's kind of true. It's kind of amazing. It just really felt on point. It's good. Yeah, it's just like, God, the Greek gods, the myths around them are just so bizarre that it just makes my dreams just, which are already bizarre to begin with, times a thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have had some super fucked up dreams. Every single night. Every single night, Mm -hmm. I dream something crazy. I like it when you tell me about them. I'll try to do that more. I'll try to do that more. I kind of chuckle about it. Um, So I watched on Friday, Mm -hmm. on Netflix, the documentary about Aaron Hernandez, Mm -hmm. who is the Patriots tight end who uh, was convicted of murder three counts I, I believe and then it was later uh two of them were overturned and about i think like six or seven days after they were overturned he committed suicide in jail mm-hmm. um so on friday at work one of my buddies was talking about how he'd watched it like the night before and that he watched all three and like he just could not stop and i was like oh interesting so uh, and I was like, okay, I'll watch it this weekend. Like, one Friday, one Saturday, one Sunday. Yeah, fucking nope. There, there's no, I watched the first one, and I was like, well, okay, we're just gonna keep going. It was so compelling. So, was it just... Was it compelling because he himself is a person of just, like, so many contradictions and, like, so much hidden about him? That's part of it. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. Um, so there's there's uh, interviews with, you know, people that had known him 
um, like in high school and people that he played football with. And like, he was a sublime football player, right? Mm -hmm. And he was like, when he was in high school, he was like a giant. So there was no way he wasn't getting noticed. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he ended up going to uh, uh, University of Florida and he played for the Gators and did pretty well got drafted then by the Patriots and I wonder knowing what we know about him I wonder if his life would have turned out differently had he been drafted by like a west coast team really because he yes because he grew up um in New England uh and so what he would do like on off days or you know bye weeks and stuff going home oh just hanging around with the old crew hanging around yeah so he was born in bristol in bristol connecticut so he would go he would go back home um to bristol whereas like if he'd been drafted by and sometimes like you know midweek like it was in you know like a a two-hour drive or whatever and so if they had like a morning practice sometimes he'd like go back and just hang out with his boys for, like, the day and then go back. You know, that kind of thing. And yeah. I wonder if he had been able to get away from that further away if his life had turned out um, differently. For sure. I think that's um, probably a valid assumption. Yeah. Yeah. So, the guy... So, what what ended up happening... And, and you know, there's, there's guys that grew up with him and that grew up with the, the guy that he murdered... Um, and who say basically like he was just a wannabe gangster he was and then when he you know signed the contract and he got the money and whatever whatever he had this you know he he had this like ability to get what he wanted ultimately mm-hmm. right like that's the that's sort of the thing that like he that, had the means to become yes to become this thing and, and so and in and a lot of it had to do like I, I remember when he played i remember watching him and you know, like, just how tattooed he was and, and stuff. And, like, you know, like, lots of guys have tattoos, and I don't have, like, an issue with that whatsoever. But I always felt like every time I'd see him, like, after an off-season, there would just be more and more and more. It turns out that was true. Um, you know, and it, and it was just sort of, like, cover. Like what are you covering up with all of that? Because you can't even make them out anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, what what's behind all of that? Like, what, um, what are you trying to be? What's the image you're trying to yeah. project? Yeah. Yeah, and so so there was that which I thought was really was really interesting. Like when he played, you, like he was just an unreal football player. Do and you so think when all of this a, happened, sorry, can we just pause for a sec? Do you think yeah. there's like um, a um, is that like a a microaggression, like about the tattoos, like a tattoos assumption of someone who is like not Caucasian to be someone who's you know a gangster i think so yeah okay i think absolutely that's a that's a perception okay i think that's i think that's probably pretty fair um but yeah like and i just remember watching him play and always be and just noticing like over time that yeah there's just like more and more and more like it wasn't a thing it just it was what it was right mm-hmm. um but also i, I kind of wonder like when it got to the point where you know, when you can't tell what the tattoos are anymore. And I think this is true for, like, anybody. I don't think this is true for... This isn't just this specific case. It's, like, at what point does it simply become, like, a cover for something? A camouflage, yeah. Yeah, a camouflage of sorts, rather than an expression of. Right? Because if it's not discernible anymore... Yeah. What's the point? Uh Uh-huh. I see, I see. 
is sort of my thought. Like, yeah, so this is, then that's not just, just specifically related to this. That's just always kind of been the way that I think about that. But it was just super, super fascinating, you know, listening to some of the people that they talked to. And so one of the guys that they interviewed, uh, is, um, a guy he played football with in high school, uh, who was their who was the quarterback of his high school football team, who apparently, uh, Hernandez had a relationship with. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's, um, been sort of talked about, but never really confirmed. Okay. And, um, and was this some... talked about before he was, like, accused of these crimes? Not that I know of, but I also wasn't paying a lot of attention to Okay, gotcha, gotcha. To that kind of stuff. But definitely afterwards. There was definitely, you know, talk and speculation afterwards. Um, and so... Yeah, so they, they interviewed him, and they interviewed, like, you know, former... Um, they interviewed, uh, you know, some some guys that knew uh, the guy he he murdered, whose name was Odin Lloyd, um, and so Hernandez is. Hang on, I have to get this one right because it's just absolutely fucked up. Uh, Odin Lloyd was a semi-professional football player who was dating the sister of Aaron Hernandez's fiance. Okay. So there is that dynamic as well. So like Hernandez's fiance, when it all came down to it, essentially chose him over her sister. Okay. And she stayed loyal. She stayed loyal to him rather than, like, supporting her sister through this, this tragedy. And so that was also very much part of the story as well. Like, the, you know, her loyalty. And they had, they had a kid together and, you know, there were recordings of his phone calls with her and, and whatnot. And, and um, like, what's the vibe? Of the phone calls? Of the relationship. Uh, that it was, like, pretty okay, mostly. But, like, I mean, you know, he's in jail and she's looking after their kid. Right. Right? And so there's there's tension and, and whatnot. And there's um, there's some some sort of tough um, conversations that they have to have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it was really, really interesting. Just everything that kind of went with it. Um, and, and again, just wondering if he had ended up elsewhere. Even if he'd have ended up, like... He didn't have to be in California, but even if he'd have ended up, like, I don't know, somewhere in the Midwest or, like, in Florida or whatever, mm-hmm. and where he couldn't just, like, hop in the car and drive home, how different that would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so basically what ends up happening, um, he, uh, they searched his home in 2013, the police searched his home in connection with, uh, the investigation into, um the shooting death of Odin Lloyd, whose body was found in an industrial park about a mile from Hernandez's house. Um, That's it? Only a mile? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But, I, I mean, it, the implication in the documentary is that he thought he was kind of invincible. I see. Right? He's, like, this big football player, and you know what I mean? Like, he kind of, he had money, and he'd kind of get away with whatever. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, and so, as we know, with, like, famous athletes, that does happen. Oh, Absolutely. Um, and so then on, that was in, on June 18th of 2013, and then June 26th, he was charged with first degree murder, um, and gun charges, and then the Patriots released him, uh, five, 90 minutes later, sorry. Uh, and then he was finally found guilty, um, of murder in the first degree in 2015. And in Massachusetts, that means, um, life in prison without the possibility of parole. So there was, he, he was, he was in jail for life. Like that was yeah. it. 
Um, and I do remember when that all happened and when he had been arrested and whatnot, like the Patriots, I remember they removed all of his, like all of his jerseys and whatever from their pro shop and like all of that kind of stuff. Like, and then anyone who wanted to take their Hernandez jersey and like return it, uh, they would, ex- they exchanged it for free. Oh they shit. They were just like, yeah, we'll take it back. Like, that, Cause they just didn't want to be associated with, yeah. with that, which is, which is fair. Um, and then because they released him, they, and the Patriots ended up paying quite a bit of money. Um, I think they have almost a $10 million cap hit for him. Fuck. Um, Cause they had to, and, and you know, like it's ridiculous. So they, but it's the way their contracts are structured. Right. And that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And then ultimately he was waived by the Patriots because of what his contract situation was. And then the commissioner said like, essentially that, uh, no, they, he wouldn't approve any contract that any team tried to sign with him. Because of all this shit. Because of on. all of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, just yeah. The commissioner did. Wow. <laughs> I know he actually did something like smart and good and wow. whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. It's yeah, pretty so crazy, that was... like how you don't really see that often. No, no, you don't. No. So everything um... I remember this like vaguely, but I assumed he would just like get out of it as they always do but it seemed like in this one everybody was like no straight up it's like it's legit Mm -hmm. yeah like they knew and there was like there's no there's no way around this ultimately um and so what essentially what ended up happening he was then ultimately found guilty and convicted of like two more murders Mm -hmm. um these two guys from um oh where were they from it will come back to me um shit it's gonna bother me now i can't remember um yeah anyway so he was convicted of um three murders altogether and then because he was uh, or yeah no sorry who's did hang on i gotta get this right here yeah so he was he yeah he was convicted um of all three and then ultimately because he died while the first one, the murder of Odin Lloyd, was under appeal, mm-hmm. uh, that conviction was initially vacated because that's what's on the books. But then his family, like, contested the appeal. Really? And, and it's been it's back on the books now. Yeah. So it's been. Yeah, like he's like reinstated he's guilty, guilty. or whatever. Yeah. And that yes. was Hernandez's family did that. No, that was Odin Lloyd's family. Oh, I see. I see. I see. Yeah, but there's other stuff that he did too. Like he got in a really bad bar fight when he was 17 uh, in Gainesville, Florida, like right out of high school when he was playing there. Um, and then he, in September of twenty of 2007, uh, someone approached a car containing uh, three men on foot and fired five shots while they were waiting at a traffic light. One guy was shot in the back of the head and another guy was shot in the arm. Uh, both men survived and they're pretty sure that it was uh, Hernandez who had done it. They don't know for sure, for sure, but there's pretty sure mm-hmm. uh and other stuff yeah so oh yeah sorry these these two guys they're from uh cape verde and they were living in dorchester just uh in you know a suburb of boston or whatever and uh he allegedly killed these two guys too so what's the what's the lens in which this documentary is happening like it's very much like it was it's talking about him through, you know, obviously 
the lens of is a it convicted like, killer. But it's with... not like a fallen star who made a few No, 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 not okay. at all. No, okay. no, no. They deal a lot with like some of the sort of mitigating factors that might have led to this. Like the fact that, you know, he was grappling with his sexuality. I see. And having been this like big tough football player and this is what the guy who was the quarterback of his high school team basically said like you know they had this relationship and whatnot and it was kind of weird because you know like they're these big like these star football players Mm -hmm. but then but he's like but we kind of just like it was no one else's business so like it was fine right um which i just thought was like a really interesting i guess approach to it uh but they essentially talk about like how he got to where he was in the league and then what ended up happening him. Like it was, it was pretty matter of fact. It didn't feel. It didn't feel like sensationalized or exploitive. It was just like this is what we know. Yeah, like this is what we know. We have recordings of these phone calls. We have, you know, we have people who can sort of talk about his character. We have other people who can talk about, um, you know, sort of other aspects of this case. And here's some people who knew the victim. Like it was just very much like it was like you would see. It kind of felt a lot like the thirty for thirty, the OJ thirty for thirty. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, oh, man, it was just so compelling, and I could not stop watching. And then, of course, they get to the end, and they talk a little bit about uh, his C- the CTE that he very clearly suffered from. Um, so and why how... do you say that very clearly? Oh, because they did brain scans on him after he died. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, and, like, you, the, the, what the doctor that's in the documentary, and I heard this when he, after he had died, um, they basically said that his brain... Like, he was 27 or whatever, 27, 28, when, when he died. And his brain was, like, that of, like, a 55-year-old. Like, it was, like, it just... Super f- how, severe. Yeah, super, super severe. And, like, part... You know, who knows? Like, who knows how much of that was the actual football itself? You know, like, whatever. But they were... There was that aspect of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of, we don't know what this actually does to people. Right? Like, we don't... We can't blame what he did on the CTE, but we can't rule out the connection is essentially what, what they were saying. Cause they also talked about, um, when Junior Seau, uh, committed suicide, whatever year that was, I can't remember. He ended up shooting himself in the chest so that they would study his brain. Oh man, that's fucking heartbreaking, isn't it? Um, yes. Like, and so that part was, was really rough to watch too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was really like really, really well done. And I was watching it, and my friend Courtney was also watching it at the same time. She was about a half an hour behind me. And I was like, oh, shit, wait till you get to this part. And, like, yeah, like, it was just, it was incredible. It was really, really well done. Do you, like, it seems like in his particular case, like, you're talking about, like, the possible repressed sexuality. Like, you're talking about trauma as a child. You're talking about, like... Mm-hmm bad influences and it seems like drug and alcohol abuse possibly is like late teen early 20 and now like a hundred thousand fucking hits to the head Uh it's just like how do you how can you even make any judgment calls on like what yep is a contributing factor and what isn't like that's really tough well and he his upbringing was kind of shitty like it wasn't great but it wasn't wonderful. Like it, even on his Wikipedia page, right? Um, uh, as an adult, he remembered his mother throwing his father out of the house on multiple occasions, but always letting him back in. The couple married in 1986, divorced in 1991, and remarried mm. in 1996. They filed for bankruptcy. 
Uh, both parents would be arrested and involved in crime. Yeah, so that's like right. that's a lot there, of so, bank on yeah the young kid to go yeah. out and be a star and sign a big contract and save yeah. the whole and then, family. Well, and then his dad died when he was sixteen. Um, he had complications from a surgery, and so dad died when he was sixteen. And then he was estranged from his mother for a whole pile of reasons. Uh, and then he moved in with a cousin of his, an older cousin of his. Um, and then after, like, his dad died, the family ultimately learned that his mom was having an affair with this cousin's husband. Mm. And so then, like, the cousin and her husband ended up divorcing, and the husband moved in with the mom, and, you know, like, all of this kind of stuff. Uh, so there's just more and more and more. And then, and then there's, you know, allegations of, of, like, physical abuse from his father. Like, there's just all of these things. They're just stacked. Hmm. And so, like, football was a way out. Yeah, for sure. Right? Like, football was absolutely a way out. And going to the University of Florida was probably the best thing, like, to just, like, get away. And then, like, coming back to that and being that close to all of that turmoil was probably not good. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that anything would be different because of all of the other things. But, you know. So, why... Because he committed suicide, so why... Do you think that was because he was afraid of his sexuality? So apparently, if I remember correctly, like three or four days before he died, there was somebody on TV basically talked about um, the rumors about his sexuality. Oh, I see. Yes. So there was going to be, um, you know, and it was obviously going to be like out there. Right. And so that's, that's the, that's kind of the implication. I can't remember who it was, but like, basically she, this, this report, she was on like a sports radio show and they basically. Oh wait, I got it. Michelle McPhee appeared on the Kirk and Callahan sports radio show two days before his death using innuendo to imply he was gay. But how would he know that? Well, because people talk, right? And he, he had his phone calls and he was on the phone. Like he made like daily phone calls to his fiance and, and, and to his agent and who was a really good friend of his and like that kind of stuff, right? He was still connected to the, to the outside gotcha, gotcha. world, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, he, uh, yeah. So that's the speculation is that like, that was finally like out there, out there, like for real, real, not just, you know, mm-hmm. sort of quietly talked about. Um, and so one of the guys that they talked to in the documentary, which I thought was really interesting was, um, uh, a former NFL player uh, named Ryan O'Callaghan. And mm-hmm. he played, he was drafted by the Patriots and he played for the Chiefs and he came out as gay. I can't remember when, um, a couple of years ago. Got his wiki open, I'll tell you. Throughout sports, I believe if I remember correctly. And he, I, in the documentary, and I remember hearing this before, he basically said like he was going to take football as far as possible and then he was going to kill himself. Like that was his plan because he couldn't risk being found out. God, that's so heartbreaking. And so they, they talked with him a little bit, you know, in, in this documentary dealing with, like, the some of the, the implications of that. And, like, he's like, I didn't know Aaron, I didn't play with him, so I can't speak for him. Mm-hmm. But this is what I felt. So and assuming he, he, that the, not necessarily that the end goal was the same, but that to be out would be a risk to your career. Well, and if you think about, like, that hyper, hyper masculine. Mm-hmm 
that hyper masculine environment that especially on football teams like more so than than in lots of other sports i think that you know i don't know how you could see the alternative Mm -hmm. right and so that so they talked a little bit about him which um i thought was really interesting um but yeah it was it was really really well done i couldn't stop watching like and it's no spoilers like it's nothing like that right it's just no it's all here's the story historical Um, fact yeah and i didn't feel like it was sensationalized interesting which I thought was really important because I feel like it could have very easily been sensationalized and you could have somehow eventually like felt sympathy for him. And I didn't really feel sympathy for him. I just had this realization like, holy fuck, this guy didn't stand a chance. Yeah. And that's like, th- not, that's not tough. to, bl- not to excuse any of it, but like there's nothing in his upbringing and nothing in like the life away from the field. Mm hmm that would indicate that he would have ever, like, lived a normal life. Like, there's all, there was always going to be something, right? Like, and you hear stories, right, about guys who, who make it big, they get drafted or whatever, and then they go broke so quick because they end up, you know, like, trying to, you know, help whoever helped them, like, that kind of thing. And I feel in a lot of, in a lot of the same circumstance in this, I think, like, some of what he was doing was, was trying to, like, keep that connection to that community that, he grew up in right which i'm sure if just like it's it's so cliche right like for a lot of people with tough backgrounds like sport is the only consistency that you have uh-huh. so yeah that's too bad it's too bad that yeah. it contributed in negative ways to his life and yeah but yeah, if you're if you're looking for a documentary, and it's it's what I think was really interesting. It was just really well made. Mm-hmm. Like it, it t- the story it told felt like fiction, in that like sort of not put downable way, which is why I watched all three episodes on Friday night. I was like, well, we're just gonna keep going, because um, it was really really well made. Well, interesting. Oh, I don't know if I can handle that. That's really heavy. It is really heavy. There's some. There's some stuff. The brain. The brain stuff at the end is fascinating. Yeah. You know, it's it, it mostly at the end of the third episode is where they talk about that. It's fascinating stuff because and you can like look if you look up Aaron Hernandez's brain on like a go- and do a Google image search like you'll see what his brain scans look like. I'm doing it right now. And it's not good. Brain. Like I'm, I'm not a neurosurgeon. I'm not a neuroscientist in any capacity, and I know that that's not good. Fuck, dude. It's like shriveled. Yeah. And so again, like you can't you can't say that it's the CTE that did it. Mm-hmm. Because it but seems like he exhibited a ton of questionable decision making before that, but but you can't also say that it didn't have anything to do yeah, with it, right? And exactly. I think that's the And like one of the things that that's as I was watching it and as Courtney was watching it and we were sort of talking about is like our we have people that we work with and kids that we've taught and whatever who play football and, you know, and I worry about them. Mm-hmm. Right? Just knowing what I know about some of the people that I know and how much football they've played and, and that kind of thing, like, I worry about them. Mm-hmm. Oh, for and sure. And what that's going to sure, look like sure. when, they're, when they're 30. Yeah. Or 35 or whatever, right? Especially when you have kids who are like... <sighs> they want to play and it's like no you've had too many concussions already and like you're 16 
Oh, yeah. Like, I taught a kid at uh, another school, like, a number of years ago. He played rugby. He played football, I think, all three years. He played. He was a really good soccer player as well. But he played football all three years. And then he played rugby in grade 12. Got a concussion in his first rugby game. And then, like, played university football. He took a couple years before he kind of got back into it. And I think when he was at the U, if I remember correctly, I think he had three concussions. Fuck. One, like, each season that he played. And that was the end. He's like, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is good and i'm glad that he made that you know i mean they they also basically told him like you probably shouldn't play anymore but like we're not you know like it's up to you kind of thing if you think you can handle it but like here's the situation and he was like i can't do this to myself again yeah that's so frustrating because it's like sure you're having fun playing sports but like you're not even Mm -hmm. 20 yet and Mm -hmm. this is you have the rest of your life yeah, so that was the part that always, whenever I hear about that kind of stuff, that always strikes me. It's like, because I know people in that situation, right? And like, mm-hmm. I, and I've played like the high level sports, and I'm just like, man, like, what's going to happen? What's that going to look like? I know. And it's such an like emerging area of study that unfortunately they, they need subjects to like widen the studies and, and mm-hmm. have more accurate conclusions. And that's, that's yeah. about it. And the, f- and the fact is, like, you don't have the subjects until they're dead. Yeah. Like, you can't... There's no possible way... That's the only way. ...of, of actually figuring this out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it was... It's a really, really well-done documentary. So, if anyone's interested, like, it's... Even if you're not, like, a football person, it's very, very interesting. And it's really well-made. Well, cool. And it was, uh, it was a good way to spend a Friday night. Well, I've got a, a, a mood... I was gonna say boner... A mood bringer upper <laughs> for you. All right, let's let's hear it. It's a quiz. Yay! We're gonna plan a trip to Ireland, and we're oh, gonna see yes, we which Saoirse Ronan character you are, Megan. Well, we already know that I'm Joe, but okay, let's carry on. What time of year are you going? Winter, fall, uh, summer, or spring? The summer. Okay. Who are you going? All with? of the other all of the other seasons are terrible. <laughs> are you going with family? Friends, significant other, or myself? Um, probably alone. Okay. Pick a city to visit. Limerick, Dublin, Cork, or Galway? Galway? Oh, Galway. Galway. Um, oh, that's tough, because my favorite place isn't on there. I'm sorry, it's a very scientific quiz. You have to pick one of these four. I know, I'm just trying to think what would I... I mean, I want to go back to Dublin, obviously, but I think I'd rather go to Galway and, like, hang out in the West more. So, yeah, let's go to Galway. Pick a castle to visit. Oh, this is when pronunciation is going to get dicey. I love it. I'm so excited. <laughs> Ashford, Dublin, yeah. Dunluce, yeah. and Blarney. Um, I think Dunluce. That one's, like, the one from fucking... Leap year, isn't it? Maybe. Pick a natural site to see. Oh God, Glon <laughs> Glonva Glon Glonvay Glonva <laughs> It's Glen V E A G H. Okay. It looks like a castle. I don't know. The cliffs. I think it's Glen. I think that's Glen V. I think. Glen V. Cliffs of so. of Moher. Moher. Yeah. Moher. Ring of Kerry, huh? or the Blasket Islands? 
Oh, if I go to the Blaskets, I can operate that coffee shop that needs two people. Want to go from April to October? They'll pay our housing and our food. Fuck, that sounds amazing. And there's no, there's like no Wi-Fi or whatever, and you're just no running water. It's gonna be fucking great. Oh my god. Okay, well I'm selecting that for you. Um, pick something yeah, to try: whiskey, shepherd's pie, anything with potatoes or Guinness. Um, shepherd's pie. Pick a raincoat. <laughs> Red, blue, green, or yellow? <laughs> blue. And finally, pick a souvenir. A bookmark from every place, a shamrock, photos, or a tea set. A bookmark. Which, it would be magnets, but bookmark. That's the closest. Megan, you're Joe March from Little Women. <laughs> Am I really? <laughs> it says, you're outspoken and dedicated. You march to the beat of your own drum and won't let anyone tell you who to be. You're a little bit rebellious at times, but it's only because you value your independence. Your passion will take you a long way. That sounds exhausting. I know, hey? <laughs> Jesus, that just sounds, like, really exhausting. For sure, for sure. Um, that's, I did one earlier, because it's the last day of the semester, uh, and I had a prep today, and my kids were just, like, doing a lot of nothing. So I did one earlier, and it was, like, how compatible are you with Jim from The Office? Which and that was such a funny... It was a hilarious quiz. Because um, I feel like the answer was 100% for, like, all combinations, just based on what the choices were. Um, I'd have to dig back, like, to find it, but it just kind of made me laugh. I thought it was... I thought it was really, really funny. That is kind um, of upsetting, though. Why yes! That? Yes! I got the girl what? from Brooklyn. Oh, did you? <laughs> oh, perfect. Uh, You're so funny. Good times. That's I, just, I, I loved that story. Fuck, I watch that movie, like, I don't know, once every six months. Makes me cry all the time. It's great. Um, speaking of movies, I watched a, a movie on Sunday night before I started reading that book. It was all, like, a big whole bunch of problems. Because mm-hmm. um, I did not plan my life very well. Um, I watched a movie called Patterson on Amazon Prime. It stars Adam Driver. I'll be very upfront about that, just in case anyone's wondering where I'm at. Uh, it's from three-ish years ago, three or four years ago, I think 2016 maybe. Uh, it's set in, uh, Patterson, New Jersey, and the guy's name is also Patterson. It's a Jim Jarmusch movie, so I'm not entirely surprised by that. No. Um, but... Which also, Jim Driver directed The Dead Don't Die, which Adam Driver was also in, and I really liked The Dead Don't Die. It was super, super fun. This could not be more different. Like, this was very much like a... such weird shit, though. This... Oh, I know, but this one was just, like, it was very, like, soft and subtle and He doesn't do soft and subtle, Megan. Come on. I feel like you need to watch this movie, because I didn't think so either, but, like... I didn't realize that he was, the, it was the same director until I actually, and I was like, holy shit, he did do both of those. Um, so it's set in, it's set in, uh, Patterson, New Jersey, and the character whose name is also Patterson, he's a bus driver. And he, the movie takes place essentially over a week. So I think it starts on Monday and then ends the following Monday. And he like gets up, he's, he's married, uh, his wife's name is Laura and she's like an aspiring artist and she also wants to be a country singer. Um, and so she, like, orders a guitar, and there's, like, this whole weird subplot about that, and I feel like they don't have a lot of money, so it's a little bit stressful, but whatever. But he, like, wakes up, and he, like, eats his breakfast and glares at his wife's dog, who also doesn't like him. Uh, and the dog makes me think, it's like an English bulldog, but the dog makes me think of, like... Petunia. Uh, Petunia. Yeah, it's just in that, like, whatever. Anyway, 
Um, and then he walks to work and drives his bus. And one of the things they show whenever he's driving the bus is like he's just listening to the conversations and like kind of taking it all in. Um, and he's a poet and he writes poems sort of based on the things that are just around him, ultimately. Um, and so they for the film, they commissioned a poet to write, I think, six or seven new poems that were like Patterson's creation. And so the first one that he writes, you can like see him actually writing it. And I was like, man, if every time he writes a fucking poem, I got to watch Adam Driver write. I don't think this is a good idea. Um, <laughs> That's the worst like the... when you see words being written and hear them. Yeah. But what they ended up, what they did instead is they essentially like took his handwriting and kind of turned it into a typeface. And then they, as he was writing the poem, it would like show up on the screen. There was like other things happening and you could hear him saying it as well. And then if he was, he'd go back and edit and he'd like add words in and like, it was, that part was kind of cool. Mm. Um, but it was just this, this routine. And then he takes the dog for a walk every night and in the middle of the walk, he stops at the bar and has a beer and then goes home. Like it's a very, that's his existence. Mm-hmm. And it's just this very, like, like, like very, like I say, very subtle, very small, very quiet sort of film. Um, and then as the week goes on, you know, little there's like a little bit more happens kind of every day, but his routine is more or less unchanged. And then there's like this thing that happens on the Saturday that like alters his entire worldview. And then the next, then he goes for a walk. And then by the time Monday rolls around, he's just kind of like back to normal. Mm-hmm. But it was really, really well done. And it was just very quiet and very, it wasn't really a thinker, but it wasn't like, it wasn't dumb either, if that makes right. any sense. Mm-hmm. It was just this, like, kind of nice little story, and it was well made, and it was very well shot. Um, of course. Well, is it, if it's Jim Jarmusch, like... Yeah, like, it was... His yeah, shit it was is very weird, well shot. but it's, like, nice to look at. Yeah. Yeah, it was It was, It was. was really good, and I kind of feel like you might like it. I'm not, I'm, I'm not just saying that, but I kind of feel like you might, because it's just, like, a nice little self-contained little story. Apparently it's got 96 on Rotten, so... Oh yeah, like it was like at the at like the it it was like all on all the film festival circuits and and whatever because like it's pretty well done. Hmm. So yeah, I watched that and that was my Sunday night and then I read you know that crazy book. Yeah, I know that's that's a that's <laughs> a jarring a yeah. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> and in the middle, I took down my Christmas tree. <laughs> wow, there's a lot going on there, Megan. What yeah, is your life? <laughs> That's too funny. I don't know, but I just saw, uh, what's his face? Mike from Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Is that the kid? Yeah. In a commercial for a movie called The Turning. It looks terrifying. It's one of those like early year horror movies. The Turning. Let's see. What's this about? He like bashed oh, a girl's head into no. a mirror. So. Don't yeah. like this. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Apparently nope. it's about the turn of the screw. Oh, interesting. Hard pass. No thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like movies like that. No. Megan, Quiet Place was hard enough. I have terrible news for you. You have to pee? No, I think we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We keep wanting to do this episode thing, and we're already at an hour 18. And yes, I do it's need true. to pee. <laughs> I have two questions. Okay, good. <laughs> that I got from a friend. Okay. If you could work for a sports team, what team would it be, and what would your role be? I would be the general manager of all the NHL teams. Okay, I like that. Just all of them. And I would just... I don't know what I would do. I would just, like, ruin people's lives. I don't know. Or I would be, like, the head coach of a football team that I really hate, and I would try and sue them. Either or. 
I feel like I'd be good at social media or something. I think you'd be good at it. It'd be fun. Um, the other question is, who would be more dominant in their respective leagues? Mr. Burns's nuclear power plant softball team. Oh, God. Or the Monstars in human form from Space Jam. Okay, well, let's think about this. If they're in human form, do they not have their superpowers? Well, I don't know if that they don't have their superpowers. It's just that they're not giants. Huh. Right, because the Monstars were pretty big. Yeah, but, like, they don't have Daryl Strawberry. Let's see who's on the roster. Mr. Burns's baseball team. Just give me a fucking list. Here we go. We have... Why is no one just giving me a list? Oh, I'm just going to choose the monsters. I'm already bored by this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well done. I feel like there might have been one more question to give you one sec. Um, oh, maybe they didn't ask any questions. No. No questions. That's all we got. Okay, great. We're never going to do this episode thing, are we? We're just going to tease it forever and ever. The thing is, is that we just have to do it right from the start and not talk about yeah. anything. Because yeah. we wasted like an hour before we got to it. And there, yeah. Megan, we know this. We are terrible at talking less than an hour. It's never going to happen. It's true. It's very true. Gosh. Um, Was there anything else that you would like to add or like to talk about? Um... No, other than just like waiting for Last Kingdom season four patiently, not patiently. Oh, it's been my favorite thing. Kelsey's been rewatching Last Kingdom, and she keeps texting me often in all caps about how dumb Uhtred is, oh. and it's fabulous. Every time she does, it's like my favorite thing in the whole world. <laughs> and my theory about him, I don't think it's necessarily causation, but it may be correlation of how like the sexier he gets, the dumber he gets. It's just. Like, it's a delight to the eyes, but also a disappointment to the heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, um, the thing about the show, the show is really good, and we've talked about this many times. The show is phenomenal. It's really, really well done. The problem with it is that in the books, there's, like, good exposition that you don't get in the show. Yeah, and that's why I have I so many questions for you. Yes, because, like, it's just in the books, there's just more, right? Mm -hmm. And there's just, there's just more sort of, you know, information to go on and you still get all of the other stuff. But I started rewatching it and I got to, like, season one, episode four or five or six or whatever. I don't know. But when they, when he killed, um, is it Ada? Abba? Abba. Abba. When he killed Abba by, like, slicing his Achilles tendons, oh, it's so gross. I can't watch it. I know, it's terrible. I look away. Like, there are so many awful, gory deaths in that series, and I can watch every single one of them except for that one. And that one's not even that gory, all things considered. No, well, there's much gorier things that happen in season three, i.e. related to the eye that I also had to turn off the TV and walk away. <laughs> I haven't rewatched season three, so I'm, I haven't got to that point yet. But yeah, like, just the fact that how gory it is and, like, stuff, and I could not watch that happen again. I was just like, I don't. Yeah. 
But I just saw a thing on my TV that Brooklyn Nine-Nine comes back on February the 6th. Oh, yay. Which is very exciting. Uh, so we'll have, like, good more jokes about Holt. I've been watching The Bachelor from last night with no sound on, and I'm trying to imagine what these conversations are, and it's not going very well. Um, <laughs> well, let's wrap this up so you can get Probably, it. like, no, I don't care enough, but probably, like, how bad the conversations are also going, I don't think they're probably going very well either, because everyone looks very upset. Um, As I don't usual. I really know why. As per usual. So, so one of these days we'll do the episode thing where we try and guess what we talked about based on the titles. Yeah. But who knows? Who we're going to write a, we're going to write a summary for this one in about 4 seconds here and not remember anything anyway. So. Immediately. Yeah. Um that's all we have for this week. You can find us uh all over the place, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. On Instagram at garbagefirepod, on Twitter at garbagefirepod. You can find me on Twitter at mig14. I'll probably be yelling about some education things in the next little while. Sorry about that. No, do it. Um Email us, garbagefirepodcast at gmail.com, uh, garbagefirepodcast.com. That's it. And that's that. Peace be with you. <laughs> as, as always, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in the dumpster. <laughs>